this will be the last week your small group meets in dealing with this series. I would like to encourage your small group to maybe get together this summer once a month or something and just uh, grill out or, or just get together and talk. You won't necessarily have anything that church-wise unless you just want to get together and talk about the message on Sunday. You could do that. Uh, not talk about the pastor. You talk about the message, okay? Uh, but um, you, uh, you know, when we started this, I had, had two goals, and I think we've accomplished it. Um, first goal was I, I hope you see the value of getting together with other believers outside of this building. Um, and you see the value of just getting together in a home and sitting and talking and, and getting And then the second thing I, is I hope you start to see the value of opening up and sharing a little bit. Um, because there are others who have walked a journey in front of you and they know the path that you're on and they can give you some guidance and in some cases they're on the same path and you can walk it together um, and, and there's value in that. So I'm hoping you'll learn that through the small group thing. We'll probably do this again uh, within the next year sometime and it'll probably be a yearly thing where we just take a study, not necessarily a Rick Warren deal, but just we'll take a study and we'll take six or eight weeks and do the small groups and that way we can change small groups up and you can get to know other people and develop relationships. So um, that's what we're after. And, and one of the problems that we're, we're facing as a church is as we get larger, we still want to stay small. Okay. We still want to know names. We still want to know. So we'll keep doing name tags at potluck and we'll keep, we'll do those things so that we can keep the family closeness that we have even as, as we have more people to, that, that, that come, okay? So that's, that's what we're after. We don't want to lose that. That's what's made us who we are. That's what's valuable and important to us, and we don't want to lose that. Uh, we've been talking in this series about transformed and the way God transforms us. We talked about our spiritual life, that eternal dimension to our life. We've talked about the internal world, the world of our mental, emotional, and physical well-being. In all of those areas, you are at some point right now you need to think about where you want to be and you need to implement whatever steps you need to go to get from, from this point to this point. Um, even little steps are important. And then we've been talking about our external world lately. We've talked about our world of, of finances. We've talked about our world of relationships. And this morning, we're going to talk about our job world. Um, so with that in mind, we want to talk about your job. Okay. Here's, here's, here's the thing that I think um, the church has failed us on as Christians, and, and, and I, I guess we have to take a little bit of the, the, the blame here too um, as a church, is I, I think one of the problems is, you know, we talk about all kinds of things theologically, but have you ever thought about work from a theological perspective? I mean, have you ever thought about work from a Bible perspective? So this morning, and those of you who are small group leaders, um, normally you have a sheet in the back that gives you some guidelines for, for study groups this week when you meet because it's based off of the message. Well, I prepared the message that they wanted me to preach, and I didn't like any of it, so I threw it out, and we're, and I, we're going a completely different route. So you can pick up that sheet, but it's going to do you no good, all right? Um, it's still back there. I already had them printed out. Uh, but I, I really, the more I started looking at this and thinking about it, the more I started thinking, you know what, why don't, we, why don't we spend a little time and talk about this? Let's talk about work from a Bible perspective, okay? 
And so I, I want to lay out a couple of principles for you to think about. Um, most of them are found in Genesis 1 through 3. You know the story of creation and Adam and Eve and all that. So I just want to pull out a couple of principles of things that you, you know, but I don't know that you've thought about. Okay? Um, here's the first one. <clears throat> Work was part of original creation. The Bible starts with God at work. So in other words, the first thing that you learn about God is he's at work. He's working. When man comes onto the scene, the first thing that man, right off the bat, God gives Adam two jobs. Name the animals. Take care of the garden. Woman's not even on the scene yet, and he's already at work. I think it's important for us to understand that in the, in the mind of God, work is a God-ordained thing. It is inherent in who God is. It is inherent in what we are to do. Work is a natural part of the original creation. Now, the reason that's important is this. And, and some of you aren't going to like this, but you'll get over it if you think it through. Everybody has a different idea of heaven. You know, you, you dog people, you're like, Oh, heaven's just going to be puppies everywhere. And then the cat people are like, there won't be any puppies, it'll be all kittens. And, 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 you know, and your sports people are like, no, it'll be like the best football field you've ever seen. A baseball diamond that's unbelievable, you know. Um, you want to know what it's going to be? I think I'm pretty confident when I say this. It's going to be a place where we work. Now, it won't be work that we don't enjoy, but it will be work. Because you see, when God created a perfect world, before sin, work was involved. So I think there is even in eternity a work aspect. I don't think we'll get tired from working. I don't think it will be hard. I don't think it'll be something that we don't enjoy, but I think it's inherent in creation. So you're going, you mean after I die, I'm going to keep working? Yeah. Doesn't that excite you? It does me, because I'm just thinking, you know, again, everybody has their own little version. I'm thinking I get a blow glass all day long. Um, you know, I mean, I, like I say, I don't know what it's going to be. You're like, glass blowing, doesn't that involve fire? Are you really sure heaven's the place? No, yes, I am, all right? Um, you know, um, yeah. I don't know how I went there. But anyway, okay, so, so in original creation, okay, you have right off the bat, God at work. So we need to understand that our attitude towards work needs to shift if we want to really be biblical about our, the way that we think. Here's the second thing. There is implied in creation a daily aspect to work. Because what you find is you find God working and doing something different each day. There is, a, there is a, on the first day he does this, on the second day he does this, on the third day, there's a rhythm. On the seventh day he rests. So there is a pattern and a rhythm to the way that we work. Six days on, one day off. Six days on, one day off. Um, I think you see inherent in it this, this daily aspect that you and I in the American culture don't think about in this sense. In most cultures, you know what your focus would be all day today? 
making enough to be able to eat tonight. You would be going to work not for a not for a salary, not for retirement, not for a whatever, but you would be going to work in order to have enough for today. There is a daily mindset, I think, associated with it. Isn't that what God said? Um, take no thought for tomorrow. What's your day? You know, you, you, God takes care of you for today. That's that. You got food and raiment. Great. It's a good day. Third thing. I think there is an aspect of work that involves creativity. Okay. I think that within work we have to create something. Uh, listen to what one person said. I love this. Dr. Art Lindsay said this. We are called to make something out of something. We are given the ability to take a tree and make a table, to take clay and make a statue, to take metal and make a musical instrument. God creates. And so I think there is this creative aspect that needs to take place in our work. Now, whatever that might be, maybe creative, like for me, it's creatively trying to create on a Sunday morning a way to portray a message that, that, that resonates with you and to be creative in how I do that. Um, for some of you, it's creative with the numbers in order to make stuff and, and figure out ways to do things. For some of you, it's being creative with food. Or, uh, but, but I think inherent in it, there is a creative nature to work that's important. By the way, I think that's why, if you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, he's on the earth for 33 and a third years, roughly. Okay? 30 of that spent as a carpenter. It's not all ministry. 30 of it spent as a carpenter, and it probably wasn't wood. It was probably stone. Um, if you really look at the interpretation of the, of the passage in the area, the area was known for stone workers. And so you have this creative aspect to it. This is the second thing, the other thing is this, fourth thing is this. Work is a privilege. There's a lot of people who want to work but can't. There's a lot of people who don't have the opportunity to work. Um, they may have be in a third world country where there is no work. You and I have a privilege um, to go in and do a job that somebody pays us for. Um, the last aspect is this. God, 1 Corinthians 7 talks about this. The more I think about this, the more I think we just need to do like a four or five week session on this. But 1 Corinthians 7 talks about this, that God has called you to where he has you. Don't keep, don't keep fighting it, trying to change it. Accept where God has put you and allow God to use you where he has put you. Because he has put you there for a purpose and a reason. And you may not understand that, but yet there is that aspect to it. There's that aspect of it, and, and I think that's important for us to understand that I think inherent in, in, in the Bible teaching, the theology of work is this. The Bible knows nothing of rest from work unless you're dealing with the Sabbath or death. Now, I know I'm going to step on a little toes, but, or big toes too, but I challenge you to go through Scripture and look 
for a biblical definition of retirement. Uh, I'm serious. The Bible knows, that's an American thing. Do you know how many places in the world you can make enough money where you can come to a period in your life where you don't have to go out every morning and, and work? So I think, and, and, I, and I'm going to get this wrong. I should have written it down. It's just something I've heard and I've always kind of stuck in my head. It's like when you're young, you have, you have health and you have, um, what is it, time and money. When you're young, you don't have enough money. You're spending all of your time and all of your health in your job. When you get older, a lot of times you have money. Some cases you have more time and you don't have your health. And it's one of those things where I, I think one of the ideas that you have to wrestle with is, this is, and again, you know, I wish I could find nicer ways to say stuff, but I just can't. I'm just not that creative. Um, as long as God's got you here, there's a job for you to do. And when you get to the point that there's nothing left for you to do, then God's going to take you home. I mean, really, you know. Um, you know, I tell people, I mean, I tell people on hospice who can't do anything but lay in a, in a bed, look, God still has you here for a reason. You're not done with you yet. So while you're here in this bed, you either pray for people or you encourage the people that come in here or you do, you do what you, you still have an impact because you're still here. And, and, and that's, I think we've got to be careful of this concept of I'm going to get to a point where it's all about me. Read what the Bible says to people who develop that mentality. Because there's a great story that Jesus told about a guy who said, I made it. Now take my ease. I got it. And God says, okay, we're done. So be careful here, because I think work, you know, and again, most retired people that I know, they work more than they did when they were actually working. So, um, you know, I get that I'm maybe preaching to choir here, but it's something to think about, because where do you have your mindset with regards to that? I, I think retired people, honestly, and by the way, this is an area that I'm, I'm not going to retire anytime soon, but as I look down 15 years, 20 years down the line, one of the things I ask myself is, what does retirement look like for me? You know, what does it look like for a pastor? I mean, you know, I don't know a lot of retired pastors. I know a lot of pastors that don't do it full-time, but yet they're doing stuff full-time. You know, um, you have to ask yourself that. You have to ask yourself, really, because the theology of work is an important deal. Now, when we get to the Bible time, um, we're going to go to Colossians, because we've already looked at the passage from Ephesians. The Bible really doesn't talk about work, employers, employees, because in the Bible times, it was a world of slaves and masters, okay? Um, just so you understand the background, again, some of this is a review, because we went through it when we went through Philipp or Ephesians, but, you know, in... In the Bible times, people were slaves. A, a typical town, a third to half of the people were slaves. Um, you wouldn't know who was a slave and who wasn't. In other words, you couldn't, it's, it, it's not like, when we talk about slavery, a lot of you have images of the South and black people and, and the way that our America was when we had slavery. That's not at all the picture that we talk about when we talk about the Bible. 
okay? Um, many of the slaves, on a given day, you were shopping side by side with somebody who was a slave and somebody who wasn't, you'd have no idea who was who, okay? Um, some of the rich people, they might be dressed a little fancier, but for the most part, um, slaves and everyday people look the same in the marketplace. Um, once in a while, you would see one maybe with an earring. Um, what that meant was that that person had been a slave, um, probably a slave of a Jewish person, um, but they had been a slave, and then when their time was up to no longer be a slave, when they were set free, they came back to the master and said, you know what, I, I love it here. I, I just want to keep working for you. And so the way that they would, would symbolize that is they'd pierce their ear, and in piercing their ear, it was actually a status symbol to be able to say, I'm a slave, but I'm a slave voluntarily. Which, by the way, when you look at the, the, uh, the number of times that Paul uses that analogy for Christ, Paul, a slave, a servant of Jesus Christ, there, there's a lot of imagery there. Um, sometimes uh, you could buy yourself out of slavery, so if you had been sold after so long, you, could, you would make money. So, some slaves were paid. Um, some of them would uh, develop uh, connections that they would have days off. They would eat with the family and some Jewish families. Um, the guys even went and got circumcised to be part of it. They would celebrate with the, the, the meals. Uh, so it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was not like you and I think when we think of slavery in the South. Okay? I want you to understand that. Um, at, at times it was large. It wouldn't be uncommon for somebody who had a large, large operation, so to speak, to have 200 slaves. Now, 200 slaves is a small company in America. And you've got to manage all of those people and take care of all those people. And, and yes, there were abuse, abuses to it, but for the most part, that was, a, that was the system of the time that, that people were able to make a living. So when the Bible talks about it, the Bible talks about, again, the Bible doesn't condemn the slavery thing. It, it, it deals with it in terms of just like it always does, the responsibility of the slaves, the responsibility of the masters. And so it's important for us to understand. So with that in mind, we're going to kind of take it and do employer-employee instead of slave and master because the principles are the same, okay? And notice what he says. So he starts out, uh, verse 22, um, and Colossians is much like Ephesians. There's a lot of doctrine at the beginning. There's a lot of practical at the end. We get to chapter 3. It's a lot of practical stuff. Here's what he says. Slaves... Obey your earthly masters in everything. Um, let me, I, I, okay, got to take a rabbit trail whenever we get here, and I got I, I to go here. You need to understand that in most cases, people who were slaves were not doing what they wanted to do. They were doing what they needed to do. Okay? In order to take care of their family, they were doing what they, it, it wasn't like they said when a kid was growing up, he goes, ah, my goal is to be a slave. That's, that wasn't his goal. His goal was to do something else. But in order to do something else, sometimes he had to work and pay the bills with something else. You see this with the Apostle Paul. Paul is a tent maker. So Paul, rather than going into town saying, hey, everybody support me so I can keep preaching, Paul would walk into a new town and then he, he had a skill of tent maker. So he'd walk in with his little bag of tools and he'd find a tent making shop and he'd say, hey, you guys need an extra hand? You know, I know you've got a festival coming up, but I'm sure you're just overworked and stuff like that. I'll work for you for a while. Okay, sure. And then on the side, Paul would start preaching, and then churches and all that would develop, and, 
and, that, and that's how he did it. That, by the way, as a pastor, I love that model. Um, I did that for 10 years here. I loved it. I loved it. The church got to a size I couldn't do it anymore, but I love the idea of working in the community and then doing, doing the pastor thing. Um, and, and, and I wish more colleges would push that with pastors because I think that's a big problem. But anyway, rabbit trail. Kids, here's what I'm hearing a lot from kids who are young and kids who are in their 20s and 30s. Well, you know what? Um, I didn't take that job because that's not really my dream job. Well, you know, you know, I really can't fulfill all of my potential in that job, so I'm going to go, so I'm not going to take that. <sighs> Work, daily, act of God, part of original creation. Listen to me. You do what pays the bills. And that job that you want may not be the job that you get to do. Okay? Paul wanted to preach, but he had to make tents in order to be able to do that. He was okay with that. Um, there comes an aspect of you need to get up every day and go somewhere and go do the job in order to pay the bills. And you keep working towards your potential. And when you think about college, don't ask yourself what you want to do. Ask yourself what will, provide, what will provide for you a sustainable income to live on your own. Because I'm watching a lot of kids take these obscure degrees and then graduate and go, hey, I got a piece of paper now, and it does nothing for them because there may be only 50 people in the whole country who do that job, but you have a degree for it. And I blame the colleges for this, okay? I blame colleges who just want to grab as many kids as they can, and they come up with some of these obscure degrees, and these kids graduate in it. I think, so what are you going to do with that? You know, oh, I don't know. I'll go get a master's now in it. Great. You know? And you need to look at what career field you're going into and ask yourself, look, can I make a living in this career field? You know? Is there a need for it? Is there a demand for it? And there are fields right now. And, and since I'm on this hobby horse, parent, and I'm gonna, some of this is re-educating parents too. You need to understand the era of the four-year degree in many fields is over. Okay? And in many fields, a two-year degree is in a trade is going to be far more valuable than a four or a master's degree in something that is oversaturated in the marketplace. There are some fields you still need the four-year degree for, and there are some fields that you need the master's degree for, and I get that. And, and I think society is slowly going to catch up to all of this. It's like I told my kids growing up, you know, and I mean, you know, my kids have a bachelor's in computer science, and one of them's got a master's in it, and the other one's working on a master's in it. And, 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 and I told them, you need to understand, you know what that is? It's a piece of paper, and it means, all it means is you jump through their hoops. Because in the world of computer science, by the time they published a textbook, that's ancient technology. That's two years old. And in the computer world, two years old, it would be like you driving a horse and buggy for a car to church this morning. Two years is, 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 is a huge amount of time in the world of technology and, and programming and stuff like that. 
And so you, you need to understand that, okay? So I'm off that hobby horse. Back to it. Slaves, obey your earthly master. These people were being asked to do things they really sometimes, again, we're not talking about unethical things. We're not talking about a moral thing. These people were having to, these people were having to go clean out barns when that was far above them. And Paul said, look, if your boss, if your master asks you to do it, it's not immoral and unethical, do it. You go do the job that he's asked you to do. You do the job he's paying for you to do. Okay? Notice what he says. Not only when their eye is on you to win their favor. In other words, you do the same job when the boss is watching or when he's not watching or she's not watching. You do the same job no matter what. It's not about, am I going to get away with this? It's about doing it. Notice, and notice how he also says it. He tells you how to do it with sincerity of heart. You do it willingly. You do it with a heart that says, what a privilege for me to be able to do this job. With sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. You do this. Okay, anybody here question this morning whether or not, as I stand up here, I am trying to do the best job I can for the Lord. Anybody have a question about that this morning? Okay, I mean, that's what I try to do every week. Okay, It's no different than what you need to do tomorrow. You do the best job you can for the Lord. It's like, it's like, well, you're the pastor. Well, no, you're the pastor in the world that you're in. You're the light in the dark world you're in. You're the one that everybody's looking at in the world you're in. And he says, with sincerity of heart, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. You give it 100%. It's not the idea of I can cut corners when I can cut corners. It's, I give it 100%, and I do it as working for the Lord, not for man. I go in tomorrow. I saw a title of a book. I, I don't know anything about the book other than the title, but I love the title. We're in a world which says, TGIF, thank God it's Friday, because we live for the weekends, right? You know what the title of the book was? Happy Monday. <laughs> what would happen if, if, if a whole bunch of Christians walked into work tomorrow and went... It's Monday. We get to work this week. This is going to be awesome. You go, they would, they would send me away. They would send me away. But wait a minute. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity to represent the Lord tomorrow. It's an opportunity to be a light in a dark world of people who didn't go to church the day before. That's what he's saying. He says, he says not for men... Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. He says here, look, yes, I understand a lot of you go to work for the paycheck. That is not why you work. You go to work so that you can be a light and a testimony and show people a different way to live and a different way to respond and a different attitude. And when you do that, he says here, there's an, there's, there's an inheritance from the Lord. I personally think it's this. I don't think it's like, oh, you know, you'll get promoted. I, I think what it is, it's an eternal dim- dynamic here. I think the eternal dynamic here is, as you live your light, and you're a light, and you're a testimony, and people see Christ, and eventually at some point in their journey, they come to know Christ. And they're long gone, or you're long gone, and you never ever know the di- impact that you made. All of a sudden, you're in heaven, and you realize that person put their faith and trust in Christ because of something I did in the workplace. And their family got saved. 
and our kids got saved, and their grandkids got saved, and, and their, whole, their whole dynamic all changed. That's the kind of reward I think he's talking about. And you had no idea. All you did was serve the Lord. And he says, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. There, there's no favoritism. And the thing is, you, you don't escape this. God will take care of it. You don't work for the boss or the politics or the promotion or the, the title or the extra income or that bonus or whatever. No, no, no. You go in with a, with a wholehearted attitude to serve the Lord in the way that you do your job. And, you know, what I was taught when I was in school, um, when I was in colleges, we, we were to clean a restroom as if Jesus Christ himself was going to be the next person to use it. You know, we were, to clean a, we were to mop the floors as if Christ was the next one to walk on it. Or vacuum carpets, I was on, I was on uh, cleaning stuff. You know, we were, to, we, were, we, were to, we were to vacuum the carpets as if Christ was the next one to walk in the building. Because we're doing it for Christ, not just for tuition reduction. That's, that's the mindset here. And you know what? If we had a whole bunch of Christians that took that approach... They make a big difference. Make a big difference. Then he goes on and he talks to the employers and makes this really, really simple for them. Masters, provide for your slave what is right and fair. Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Here's basically the way he says it. Would you want to work for yourself? Would you be happy with what you pay your employees if you were working for yourself? That's how you do it. And, and, and here's what I've learned over the years. There are, there are some people that you will take less money to work for than other people who you will take, who will give you more money to work for them, but nobody wants to work for them. And I've watched this play out in the business world. And I think there's a lot to be said for, um, honestly, when I, went to, when, when I was doing the bivocational thing and I went to work for a company, you know what my first question was? What's the average tenure of your employees? I don't care what you tell me about how you manage and lead and all that kind of thing, but if I look at a guy, he goes, yeah, I've been here 10, 15 years. And I go, what's the average tenure of your employees? Oh, most people stay around for about 12 months. You know? But I'm a really good leader. I really take care of my employees. You know? No. You know, and I understand there's some occupations that, that, that have a higher turnover than others and da-da-da-da-da. But, you know, when you've been there long enough and you've been able to develop that over time, then there should, there should be said something that way. You know, and I know people who were phenomenal Christian people. Everybody looked up to them, but the bottom line is, I mean, the turnover in their offices were so sky high it wasn't funny. And I'm like, you know what, there's something off here. I don't know what it is, but there's something off. And I, I just want to challenge you with this idea because the way you take care of your employees is important. Those of you who are in those situations, those of you who are managers, the way you take care of your team is really important. Um, it's not about politics. It's not about all of that. It's about really having a group of people that, that want to work for you and want to work with you. And, and I believe, personally, you should be the servant. I believe servant leadership is the best way to lead. If you are sitting on a board... First and foremost, you ought to be a servant to whatever that organization is. So if that organization does X, Y, Z, and they have a fundraiser deal or they have a deal there, you need to be the one up in front 
volunteering to take out the trash and, and clean up at the end and do all of those kinds of things. Um, I, we, had, we had that happen with us when, when, who was it, Jimmy? Jimmy got married. We had some dear friends. Uh, he, he's, in a, he's in a professional world. Um, and he showed up at the wedding. It was, it was like we had like open house from, or we had the, I don't, reception went to like 5 o'clock or whatever it is. He came walking in at like 5 o'clock. And I said, you know, we're so glad to see you guys, you know. We're, we're just shutting it all down, you know. You know, and they said, yeah, we know. That's why we're here. They said, congratulations, Jimmy. Congratulations, Aaron. Now, what can we do to clean up? They said, we're here to help clean up because we know we've had, we had kids get married. We know how exhausting it is at the end, and we're just going to be here to pitch in and help you clean up. And it was like, this is awesome. You know, and here's somebody who, you know, if I threw out the person's name, you're like, really? They did that? Yeah, they did that. Nobody knows that about them. That's what makes them who they are. So let's talk about a couple of takeaways. Here we go. Number one, what you do tomorrow is not just a job. There's an eternal dimension to what you're going to do tomorrow. You go, no, you don't understand. I'm just like a cashier. No, you don't understand. People are watching. There's an eternal dimension to what you do tomorrow. There's not a difference between who who has... a, a higher title or more money than anybody else. We're, we're all in the same boat. It, what I'm doing this morning is, and I, I don't, can't stress this enough because some of you don't click with it. What I'm doing here today is no more important than what you're going to do in your job tomorrow. We're all serving the Lord. We're all doing it to the best of our ability. We're all doing it with the gifts and talents that we've been given. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, there's an internal, it's not just a job. It's a ministry. And you go, well, it, it's a ministry that's really bad. I mean, you know, this is, it, this is tough. Don't, look, people are watching you. What, that's what you've got to understand. God has you there for a reason. Second thing is this, it is not about your boss. You go, well, you don't know how hard that person is to work for. It's not about them. You're not working for them. You are working for the Lord. Well, yeah, but if the Lord really loved me, he'd get my boss out of the way. No, he's got you there to be a testimony, to be a light, to show your boss a different way. Oh, you don't know my boss. Yes, I do. His name is Jesus Christ. No, 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 I mean my earthly boss. Well, you're not working for him, so it doesn't matter. You're going, uh, that's a stretch. That's the Bible. That's the mindset that you have to have. If you're really going to go in and make a difference in the way you do your job. And think about it for a minute. <clears throat> when you go in tomorrow and go, I'm working for the Lord... Is there such thing as a bad day? Might be a difficult day, might be a hard day, but you get to serve the Lord tomorrow. And you know what's even cooler? At the end of the day, they're going to give you money for it. Well, they're not giving me enough. If you're serving the Lord, does it really matter what the dollar figure is? 
Is this making sense? Is it starting to click how this changes the way you do your job, the way you respond to people, the way you interact with people? You go, yeah, but, you know, that means I'm going to have to be nicer to people. Yes, it is. That means I can't say what I want. Yes, and you probably shouldn't be saying what you want anyway. That means I've got to be careful with my language. Yes, and you probably should be doing that anyway. Well, that means that people are going to walk over me. Yes, and isn't that what being a servant is about? Well, yeah, but you know how, you know how hard that's going to be? You don't know my temperament. I'm wired this way. Yes, that's why you go in tomorrow and you depend totally on the Holy Spirit because you can't do this on your own. This is what we're talking about. But it's not about your boss tomorrow. It's about serving the Lord. The last thing is this, and this is what you've got to realize, because this is my pet peeve. If we would graze a group of people who would live like this, people will want to hire Christians. And unfortunately, we live in a world where people go, well, you know what, I should be able to hire Christians, but if I hire Christians, you know what, I mean, I find out that they're this and this and this and this and this and you know, they, they don't show up, they don't, they don't do it, they, they cut corners when they can, but that's, what you, that's what's out there, and it shouldn't be out there. It should be, no, these are people who are going to honor the Lord, and I know that I can, I can trust them. I, I found this out when I was in high school. One of my jobs in high school was, was to shell, sell ladies' shoes. My senior year in high school, that's what I did. I worked for a company called Baker Shoes. I don't know if anybody remembers them. It used to be in the mall. In 19, uh, let's see, this was 1979, 78, 79. The styles were clogs and big leather zip-up boots that went to the knee. I shoved more fat calves into (laughs) zip-up boots than you can imagine. These ladies would come and they'd walk in the mall all day long. And then you would zip off their boot to try the one on that they wanted to try on. And you'd go, I'm a size 7. And you'd go, honey, your calf's a size 12. But I'll try to get it in there. And you would shout. And first of all, the odor alone would knock you out. And then you'd try to zip that thing up. And then it was like, oh, man. I did it for a year, okay? Um, I went to a Christian school, so they knew I was a Christian. And I was the only Christian in the place. But you know what? Uh, my boss, actually, um, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I would, I would, this is about a 95% bat. He was a practicing homosexual. That was when disco was big and that, that whole thing was going on. And so um, it, it was a pretty wild place for a Christian kid to go every day to work. And I just sat down and I said, look, here's, here's my boundaries. I said, um, I'll work weekends. I'll work all kinds of crazy shifts for you. I said, I'll work when everybody else can't work. And I said, but, I said, Sunday morning, I said, I'm going to be in church with my family. And I said, that's out. I said, everything else. I said, you give me Friday nights. You give me, you give me Saturday mornings when everybody's hung over and drunk and can't remember to come in. I said, I'll be here. here. Here's what I found. I found that they made fun of me. They did all kinds of things to try to harass me and, 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 and all kinds of stuff. But you know what they also did? They also started having me close, help close the store because they knew that if I counted the cash register, uh, nothing was going in my pocket. 
they started saying, you know what, I know, I don't know, here's what I do know, I know that if we schedule him, he'll be here. And I was dependable, and by the way, that was a world in which you worked on commission, so, you know, I, I, I don't care what size calf it was, if you were going to pay me and I was going to get commission for it, and I could sell you taps, and I could sell you the purse, and I could sell you the other thing, ka-ching, 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 you know, we'll stay here all day with you, baby. I mean, that's, you know, I'm, that's fine. But when I, when I finally left there, I was surprised at a number of people. Uh, we have one of the kids there commit, tried to commit suicide. And um, they're living together. A guy and a gal, they're at work living together. He found his girlfriend on the floor. He came to work the next day. Uh, he was all broken up over it, you know. I was the guy he came and talked to. When his girlfriend finally came back to work, I was the one she pulled aside and said, can we go talk? They made fun of me and all that kind of thing, but they respected me because I tried to be a light in a dark world. Um, and I tried to do whatever I could. Whenever they asked me to do a job, I was okay to do it. I mean, they would purposely give me, and they, they would purposely give me some of the people that nobody else wanted to wait on. And that's okay. I didn't, I didn't worry about that. You know? Because um, I watched God honor it. I made a good paycheck. Especially for a high school kid. But, but I say that to say, look, I, I don't know what world God's got you in, but he's got you there for a reason. And that's a privilege. And you're a light. And you have just as much of a ministry tomorrow as I have today. So don't waste it. Don't let Satan win. Be that light. Be that testimony. Let people know that, you know what? I am different because of my beliefs. So I end up with this. God's called each of us into a job that he has for us. He's placed us as light in a special part of the world. Our real job is to reflect Christ and serve him in the workplace. The paycheck we get each week is just an added benefit. We don't work for a paycheck. We work for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Use us. God, it's awful tough to not respond like we want to respond. But Lord, um, we're transformed people. So help us to do it differently. Work in our lives so that people can see changes in us. And when it is all said and done, Lord, we look forward to the day that they come to know our Christ because of the example, for because of the testimony, because of the things they saw in our lives. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's